Turning in the hymnal to 337, we'll sing about the only plea that we have, the only hope that we have, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What sing there is a redeemer and aren't you glad this morning that there is a redeemer like we celebrated last week we don't just celebrate last week but we celebrate that every morning that we wake up so if y'all sing with me this morning 
Well, now be our greeting time. Y'all uh, go to your neighbor, shake his hand, unless you owe him some money or something. No, no, no. no y'all greet one another.
Can, can you turn the pulpit on? Thank you. I couldn't, I couldn't hold the microphone and play the guitar at the same time. But, uh, but uh, I didn't get to be here last week. I had to, I got to play and sing at another church. But uh, I always love to sing this song around Easter time, and it's a, it's a real special song. Uh, clearly, presents the gospel to us. So y'all sing with me if you know it. God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to us Heal and forgive He bled and died Said by my pardon And in Savior certain days because he church because he lives I can face tomorrow because 
holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. All right, now if y'all will join me in a word of prayer this morning. Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to come out and to worship you, Lord. May that be the only reason why we came today, not to have our faces seen or to say hi to people, but to simply glorify your name. Lord, I pray for our pastor, Lord. I pray that you fill him with your spirit, Lord. You empty him of himself and fill him up with your presence, Lord. Show us your glory through the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that if there be one here not saved today, that you pierce those, their hearts with your, with your convicting power, Lord. I thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for the cross, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, if you'll stand once more, we'll, uh, we'll sing one of my favorite hymns, um, In Christ Alone. And one of my favorite, favorite parts of this song it says, uh, and now he stands in victory. Sin has lost its grip on me. Do you believe that this morning, church? How about we sing like it this morning? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength. My song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, burnt through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my come. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness. Born by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ Grave, he arose again. Amen. 
with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my Thank you, Tony, for stepping in. I'm going to clean up your mess, though. <laughs> does he leave stuff he Steve, does he leave stuff around the, the house like that, Chris? <laughs> uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you all. Uh, man, the Lord has been so good and faithful. I, I'm not going to tell you because it's not, it's not your business, to be honest, but God answered several prayers this morning, and the prayers that were answered are sitting here. So praise God. Take your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. We're beginning a new series today. I don't know how long it's going to go, so if you ask me, I don't know either. You know as, you know as much about it as I do. About a year ago, I began praying deeply for the direction, for the future of this church our ministry, what God would have. I want you to know, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I don't want to ever know what I'm doing. We have to trust the Lord day by day, moment by moment. You are God's flock. You're not mine. You belong to Him, not me. This building is His. It's not mine. My life is not mine. It's His Preaching is oftentimes where God takes us and He dips us and then wrings us out ferociously. It's painful. It's joyful. And I'm thankful to be able to do it today. Verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. Great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority 
and not as the scribes. Let us pray. Lord, we come to You. We want to thank You for this time. Thank You that we could worship You today. God, we're grateful for the answers to prayer. We pray that now You would answer more prayer by opening up the eyes of those who can't see, unstop the ears that are clogged, soften the hardened hearts. God, give us faith. Meet the need of every soul in this place today. God, You know the needs much better than I ever could or ever will. God, may Your Word penetrate our hearts by the power of Your Holy Spirit and bring about conviction, bring about comfort, and that You would be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a terrible identity crisis in our land today. We don't know who we are. And I believe we don't know who we are because we don't know who God is. We are seeing at alarming rates our families breaking down to nothing. We see it not just in the world around us. As a matter of fact, to have a traditional family in the world today is the most radical thing that you can do. Not even a Christian family, but a traditional family. To to focus on the family today in the world is viewed as some sort of backwoods, patriarchy, homophobic, transphobic, genderphobic, every sort of phobic you can think of. I want you to know, God established the home. In six days, He created all things. In the evening, in the morning, were the first day. Seventh day, there was a day of rest. Looking forward to that eternal day of rest. A Sabbath day designed for you and I to come apart from the world and to gather in His presence. Chapter 2 tells us about the first family of Genesis. There was... A man and a woman, a husband, a wife, and they were no longer separate, but the two became one. Oh, church, we have families that are united in name only, young and old and in between. Husbands who know the Lord and wives that don't. Wives that know the Lord and husbands that don't. And kids that don't know who to follow or what to believe. We are in a crisis of the home. And we're in a crisis of the home because we have a crisis of our hearts. Our homes won't be in order until our hearts are in order. Faith must be built. It must be taught and it must be caught. But it must be truly of one's own accord. But here's the issue today that we've got. Because we've got one in the home and they've got their walk and the one in the other home in the home and they got their walk and the kids we're trusting that they got their walk. None are walking actually together except for maybe being in an hour a week in a church and, and just assuming that we're doing okay. And our children are leaving for the world by the droves. Our families are splitting and it's causing a rupture in the fabric of our society. As our heart goes, goes our home. As the home goes the church. As the church, the community. Our community knows about moralism, but they have their moralism with Jesus sprinkled on top, and it will not save. It is Christ alone that saves. It is Christ who must be our foundation. Today in this passage, we're going to see that the foundation must be the Word and work of Christ. Nothing more 
nothing less. True faith is built from the inside out, not the outside in. Works goes the outside, then in. And it never seems to make it too deep, by the way. Faith drives us into the depths of God's Word, then raises our gaze upward to Him for daily dependence upon His grace, then reaches outward to help others to do the same. That's why we exist, church. That's why God entrusted you with your home. And I want you to know it's why He entrusted us with His precious Word. Oh, how often we neglect that we have been entrusted by God Almighty with His Word. How we neglect, dear husband, God entrusted that wife to you. Dear wife, God entrusted Him to you and those children to you both. Who will train them not to just simply be moral or to be decent, but who will teach them to know Christ? There is none more qualified than you. There is none more responsible than you. And whether you are single, married, have rugrats running around, this is for all of us because your home holds your heart. And your heart had better be the home of God. You had better be the friend of God if you want and desire your children to be His friend. And to not be the friend of the world. We as adults have lived so long trying to be friends with the world and friends with the Word and it does not work. Jesus said it never would and yet we still try to skirt the line. We've taught our children to do the same. You can't go in a clothing store or a clothing section of Walmart without seeing where we've gone. Now, I'm not talking about, bless God, throw your TVs away, start covering your ankles, none of that garbage. But the reason why we have gone so far is because we've let our hearts go so far. And therefore, our homes have gone. And we've watched generations disappear. In order to reach a wider group, in order to reach out, we must go and be rooted deeper in the Word of God. Reaching higher by faith in the Word of God to the worship of God. It has been said, God's commands are designed to guide your life to life's very best. You will not obey Him if you do not believe Him and trust Him. And you cannot believe Him if you do not love Him. And you cannot love Him unless you know Him. And sadly, we've got plenty. And we have settled for our children knowing church or knowing about Christ and not knowing Him. We've settled for that in our own homes. I wonder when we will become burdened for our children, our grandchildren, for our wayward spouses, that we will begin to beg and plead with God to spare them by His mercy. We've got lost families, lost homes because we've got lost hearts. We must seek Christ. 
Faithful families must be built, and it takes time. It takes effort. It takes responsibility. It takes obedience to the Word of God. We say we want a godly home, but we must see that we need a godly heart first. As our heart will go, our home. You see, the very problem of our homes is this. It's the hearts within our homes. If we are not founded upon the Word and work of Christ, we've got nothing to build on. And the winds will come and the storms will come and the storms of life will beat down upon us. And we will come crashing down unless we find ourselves anchored to the rock of Christ. Until we see our great need of Jesus Christ, we will continue to be adrift. We will continue to watch our young families be adrift. I want you to know we've got some young families in this church that want to serve the Lord our God. We'd better be burdened to help them. We'd better be burdened to help one another. We'd better be burdened to pray for our own. To minister to our own families. And to make sure that we've done all that we possibly can by the grace of God to make sure that we are rooted and built upon Christ. Moody put it this way, he said, a man ought to live so that every, everybody knows he's a Christian and most of all his family ought to know. Do your children know that you love God? They might know that you're a good provider. They might know that you make money. They might know that you make it to ball games. They might know that you love them and care for them. But do they know that you love Christ? It must be that. Or else nothing else will truly matter. And as a matter of fact, even in your own life, whether you are leading children or a spouse or not, do you love the Lord your God? The faithful building of your head and your heart and your home must be priority. God has provided all that is needed for the Christians' hearts and homes to be faithful. Faithful heart and home is very simple. And that's the issue. We like complexity and we like busyness. But the Bible and the biblical family and biblical mandate of the home is simple. It is centered on hearing, believing, and doing the Word of God. Sadly, we have exchanged the Word of God to be a mere decoration. We've got so many signs that say Jeremiah with the, for I know the plans I have for you. We've got those sprinkled all over our walls. We've got copies of Amazing Grace, decorative from Hobby Lobby, placed on our walls. Oh, we're a Christian home now. A Christian home is not going to be seen in the decorations on their wall, but their dependence upon the Word of God, their dedication to the Word of God. And our children will never know what that means until we know what it means. Our wayward spouses will never know what that means until we know what that means. Now in the context of this passage, it comes at the end with Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching what it means 
and what it's going to look like one day we do live in the kingdom, and as well what it means for every person that is supposed to be in the kingdom and what they will naturally live like in the kingdom of God. What he's getting at all throughout his passage, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount is this. Here's the Word of God. You must believe it and you must live it. As we're going to get into, and as some of your minds are probably already getting at, yes, the Bible tells us, be not hearers only, but be doers of the Word. That's right. We'll get into that. Here's the issue. We'll never do the Word until we truly believe the Word. But we'll never believe the Word unless we're in the Word. We don't need to raise up another generation that knows good morals and manners. We need to raise up families and homes that know Christ. What is your foundation of your home? Is it your finances? Is it your comfort? Is it the children's activities? It must be Christ. It must be the foundation of your heart before it will become the foundation of your home. The verses 24 through 27 here we see as he gives this parable about the wise and the foolish builder. We need to see, first of all, that we need to be applying the Word of God. The Word of God is available. How many of you have a copy of God's Word today? Would you lift it up? Don't often do this sort of thing. Now look around for a moment. Look around. That's a beautiful sight. Whether it's on a phone or not, you can hold that up too. I don't care. The Bible. The Word of God. This is the sword of God. The sword of the Spirit. This is no ordinary book. This is the living, breathing, divine, revealing of God Almighty Himself. This is God from cover to cover saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is what I've done. What I'm doing. What I'm going to do. This is what I have for you. And we find it in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I know that the Bible is important, but let me ask you, is it sufficient? Is it priority? Is it all that you need? Is it your daily bread? Is it of what you build your entire life upon? It must be what we build every moment of our life upon. If not, it will do nothing for us. The Bible can become a decoration that we cling to. We like its comfort, not its conviction. We like its peace, but not its power to cut through and cut asunder our hearts. Before we apply something, we have to know it is available. All of us have to understand this today. The difference between the wise and the foolish builder is not building materials. They got the same hammers, the same nails, the same wood. The difference is what they build upon. The difference between a home that is Christ-honoring and a home that is wayward. Or how about, as God puts it here, a wise home or a wise heart and a foolish home and a foolish heart. The difference is if the Word of God is applied or not. Let me go ahead and break this news. I can't apply God's Word to your heart. 
your Sunday school teacher cannot apply it to your heart? Children, teens, wherever, regardless of age, your parent cannot apply it to your heart. Spouse, your spouse can't apply it to your heart. You will either believe God at His Word or you will not. It is applied by grace through faith. As the Spirit of God does the work that He desires to do, which is to reveal His self to us, to reveal us Christ in the Word of God. To show us the incarnate Word through the inspired Word. He shows us who Jesus is. What separates those who move forward in faith is applying the available truth. Watchman Nee said, spiritual advancement is measured by faithful obedience. You will only advance spiritually as long as you are willing to obey God and His Word. But you won't obey what you don't know. But that's available to us right here. Notice this in verse 24. Therefore, he's bringing this to a close. He says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Whosoever means whosoever. That means anyone can hear this word. And today, you are a part of that group. The issue is will we by faith have it applied? We have knowledge about God that is oozing from our minds and out of our ears. You could mistake it for our own brains. But we have little faith in our hearts. Let me ask you, we've sung about it today. We've heard about it today. Have you ever come to that place where you not only knew in your mind that Jesus died and rose again for you, but that you believed it in your heart? Until that day comes where you trust Him by faith and depend upon Him, where you ask Him to save you, here, not here, it will change your life to simply do that. It will change your eternal destination. It will give you a strength and a peace that you never thought you could ever know or experience. For the riches then of the Bible will be not only made available, but then can now be freely applied by faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word. The Word applied here. We've got two separate people. And I would say this, the wise builder applies the Word. Would you agree? He applies the Word of God. He builds upon a rock. He does what's supposed to be done. He does what is wise. Today, I would make the argument as well that the foolish builder applied the Word as well. But he did so by faith. The, the, excuse me, he did so by the flesh. Whereas the wise one applies it by faith. He trusts God. The one tries to build his home and he does so by religion and morals and manners. He does so by maybe sprinkling in Jesus on top and a little bit of Scripture every now and again. Perhaps attending church services. Maybe a youth group. Maybe all these things. But there's no depth of the Word. There's no belief in the Word. There's no being built upon the Word. And there's certainly nothing being done at home outside of what happens at the church house. That's not good. That's going to... That's going to to fall. It's going to crumble. The, the wise builder, he applies by faith. He loves God. He loves His Word. 
He obeys God. He obeys His Word. The fool, he applies God's Word by the flesh in the sense that he rejects God's authority. This is my family, my house, my job, my money, my car, my, 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 my. My, oh my. He builds through unbelief. Notice the wise heart and home here as it is applied. I will liken him, the wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, I don't know much about home building. As a matter of fact, I've never built one, and I don't plan to. That's way too much trouble, way too much money, and plus, I couldn't do it. I can fix a hot dog, I can't build a house. That's it. And we think about this. When Cam and I were buying our home to get moved up here and we were still waiting and week by week Doug is asking us if we got the house cleared yet, if we're closed. No. Okay. All right. Week by week. You know what? A lot of what we're waiting on, some of you guys that do real estate or know anything about real estate, ever bought a home, built a home, anything like that, sold a home, it's got to get inspected, checked out, and then checked out again. It seems like it just checked out again and again and again. As much as of a, of a pain that is, it's a good thing, isn't it? You know why? I don't want to move into a house that has a foundation that's not right. Would you? I don't want that. Matter of fact, because we know that while we live here in the mountains and we're not often experiencing, you know, uh, a direct hit from a hurricane at 150 miles an hour or, or, or big tornadoes or anything like that. I don't know if we're on an earthquake zone or not. We might be. But I know this. We want to make sure our house is built to stand, don't we? Especially if you're paying 30 years for it. Right? You want to make sure that sucker ain't going nowhere. Let me ask you this. And it's a pretty simple crossover. If we care that much to go through that trouble to make sure our physical home is right, what are we willing to do to make sure our home spiritually is right with God? What are we willing to do to make sure that our spouse knows Christ? What are we willing to do to make sure that our children not just grow up in church, not just grow up to know about Christ, but that they know Him and they walk with Him? We're willing to fork out all sorts of time and money and energy to make them have a, a better life than what you had. And to be honest with you, that's not a bad thing. My parents told me the same thing. I want you to have a better life than I had growing up. But old families, grandparents, church members, there's something greater than having a greater life. It's knowing Jesus and obeying Him. We're not promised a greater life in this world anyways. As a matter of fact, we're told all who will live godly shall suffer. One of the greatest things you can teach your child to do is to know Christ in the midst of suffering. Because our storms will come. But when your home and your heart is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, you can stand firm and sing 
Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It is well with my soul. Though the storms bill, though the, the world rages around me, I will stand upon the rock of Christ. Set them up for a better eternity, not a better tomorrow to have a big house with a big mortgage. Teach them to know Christ and His Word. The Bible is very clear about the importance of being in the Word of God and having our hearts and homes founded upon it, rooted in it. The wise builder built upon a rocky foundation, not some gravel, but they dug down deep to where it's solid rock. It is a trust, a dependence, an obedience to the Word of God. Psalm chapter 1 tells us this. Here's how the Psalms open up. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor standeth in the seat of the scornful. But notice this. His delight is in the possessions of the world. No. His delight is in his bank account or his 401k. No. His delight is in the law of the Lord. The Word of God. Is it a drudge to you to read the Bible or is it a delight? Is it a drudge to gather your family and to teach them the Bible or is it a delight? Perhaps you've never even gotten to do that. Today's the day. We have today. We have today. We have today. Don't plan to start later. Today. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. All throughout the day, there's a time and a place and an opportunity and availability to have the Word of God applied to our life, for us to run to the Word, to stand upon the Word, to cling to the Word, to be built upon the Word, to apply the Word, to be strengthened by the Word. And so many of us miss out because we think we can get by in life without the Word and work of Christ. Notice how it describes him though. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And that's not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. But there is a prosperity that comes when you know the Lord because no matter what your bank account says, we know Christ. No matter what this world brings, no matter how bare our cabinets might be, I am seated in heavenly places. I am risen with Christ. Proverbs 1 tells us this. To understand a proverb, the interpretation of the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Our children should be much more aware of the Bible than they are about Bluey. They should be much more aware about who Jesus is than they are about their 
favorite toys and cartoon characters. They should be more aware that we love Jesus than they are aware about how much we fight about finances and argue about what we should be doing in life or where we should go or how we should spend our time or energy. Of course, the passage that everyone knows about hearing and doing the Word, James 1, but be doers of the Word, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. So many hearts and homes are deceived and don't even know it. For if any man be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. But there's a foolish heart and a foolish home that builds by flesh upon the sand. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, meaning you've heard from church, you've heard about the Bible, but you don't do it. And here's the issue. We're not talking about salvation or sanctification by works. We are talking about obedience by love and faith and the gospel of Christ. We are talking about centered and being rooted upon the very Word of God and not just simply knowing about it because the difference between knowing about God and, and knowing about the Bible is obedience. Obedience is an act of faith. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. There used to be a little children's song that helps you to spell O B E D I E N C E. Obedience is the very best way to do what? None of y'all learned that one? To show that you believe. We'll have to stick that in the hymn book uh, rotation, start singing that one here. See, anything not built in the Word and work of Christ, it's set to fall. Our life must not be built upon morals or manners. It must be built upon Christ. The Holy Spirit will produce a much greater fruit than your manners or your money ever could. We must see the aftermath of the Word, though, when it is applied. In verse 25, the aftermath is pretty good. That house stands firm. In verse 27, <clears throat> great was the fall of it. You can imagine the idea of great was the fall of it. It falls down in a big heaping pile with everything crumbled around it. Faith builds for the future. Faith is eternal minded. Faith is heavenly minded. So heavenly minded that it becomes earthly good. It is focused upon living in front of the face and before the face of God Almighty Himself. Faith builds for the passing of time and the potential of troubles. In verse 25, we find the wise and the faithful heart and home. He says, that he, just the previous verse, a wise man, he built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Children for too long have watched their parents crumble under the weight of finance, 
under the weight of religion, under the weight of pressure of day-to-day life. They have watched their homes be stripped around them and they don't know a sense of normalcy. Our children, our grandchildren are dependent upon us. That's a heavy weight, is it not? It is. That weight ought to drive you to depend upon Christ alone. It must cause you to depend upon His strength and not yours. It must cause you to depend upon His Word and His work, not yours. The heart and the home that is built upon Christ in obedience to Him. Notice, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. It is safe, it is secure, and it is satisfied. Not just in Christ, but with Christ. I'm afraid the reason why that we have so many leaving the church today is because we've lost a satisfaction for God and His Word. We want more than what God and His Word have to offer. I want you to know, if God and His Word offering you the bread of life, living water, eternal life, safety, security, strength for the day is not enough, there's a deeper issue. Nothing satisfies like the water that flows from the rock of Christ. It's living water. It's fresh and clean and pure every time. To drink from it, you won't thirst. This world will leave you dry, thirsty, and weary, and we wonder why we've got such atrocities happening in our young people and our families today. Our faith must be in the Word that builds our hearts and builds our homes. Notice what Jesus had said back in verse 24. Those that hear and do. That is building upon a rock. It is building upon the Word. It is building upon the only foundation that there truly is that is steady and stable. That is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, our foundation. He is a firm foundation. He is the solid rock. Everything else is sinking sand. The foolish and unfaithful heart and home, though, looks like verse 27. He builds his house upon the sand. <coughs> now in this day and age, when they were building homes, they did a couple things. We've got to understand this. One, they would build homes like on the rock like you and I do. You dig down to build up, right? You build a house. Normally, that's what you see. You dig down, then you build up. Now, here's what happens with the second group. They find a rocky creek bed. They go, that thing's pretty firm. Ain't no water in it, so I can build a house there. The idea of when the rains come and everything, it's talking about the two different seasons. They had different rainy seasons. You and I, we talk about April showers bring May flowers, right? We're going into a rainy season tonight. we got you know, storms coming, all that stuff. Here's the idea. They built their house. They put up their whatever ancient Jewish equivalent version of Hobby Lobby decorations are up. They got a little fern sitting in there. They got a little picture chiseled out, drawing of the family. It's nice. It's a perfect little home. 
a nice little rock picket fence outside. I don't know if they got a tire swing out front. It's probably another rock. <laughs> it's all they got. They just cut rocks. That's it. Rains come. The winds come. The winds blow and the water starts to rise and what was a dry creek bed is now a raging river that cuts through that home like it's nothing. Y'all ever seen the power of water? The power of water can do a lot. It can wash you. That's nice. It can wash your car. That's pretty good. It can, go, it can help your garden. Need that. The water can also destroy everything in its sight. And it won't be satisfied or quenched. And there's nothing that can stop that raging river. Here this foolish builder who hears the words of Christ but does not do them, he builds his life based upon the power of his own flesh. By his own wisdom, his own might, his own strength, his own proverbs, his own ideas. And he's a good provider. He provides a good home and it looks nice for his family, but the foundation isn't right. And then the winds and the rain comes. And the idea here is that his family and his home get swept away. You and I know all too well that the floods and the rains and the winds, they come. And they come and we're not expecting. But for them in their day, they knew when to expect them. And they were still ill-prepared. Why? Not because they didn't know when the winds and the rain would come. They knew when the rainy season was. But it's because their foundation was not right. You and I live in a day where we don't know when the winds and the rains and the storms of life will come. But the difference will be, what is your foundation? What is the foundation of your heart? Because if it's not Christ, when the winds and the rains come, over you'll go. If in your home it is not the Word and work of Christ alone, when the wind and the rain comes, everything will crash down. Dear church, we should be deeply burdened to build up faithful families. One day, older saints, you won't be older saints. You'll be heavenly saints. You won't be here. You have wisdom, experience, a knowledge of the Word, hopefully maturity. Hopefully those things are true. You must teach your children, your grandchildren. You must be the living example of what it means to live and stand upon the rock. But oh, to you who have had a faulty foundation for some time, perhaps in your marriage, with your children, in your home, whatever it might be in your life today, if you found now that the Spirit has shown you through the Word that you've got some cracks in your foundation, perhaps a storm has knocked you over, maybe that's where you are and you're trying to pick up the pieces, I want you to know it's not too late to pick up and to build again upon the rock of Christ. You are not too far that Christ's grace cannot reach. You are not so far gone that Christ cannot find you. You are not so broken that Christ cannot build you up. The difference and the application of it is incredibly simple. 
you must humble yourself in the sight of God and put your trust in His Word. And every time this Word is open, it will humble you. But it honors Him. That's the goal of our Christian walk in existence. That's what we want our children to do. To walk humbly before God and to honor the Lord. They have an incredibly small chance of going pro. They have a 100% chance of meeting Christ. So does each of us today. We must see the authority of the Word in verses 28 and 29. You and I all held up our Bibles earlier. We all said, yep, this is the Bible. This is God's Word. But are we living under a humble, faithful submission to its authority in our life? Do we merely know in our minds that it's the Word of God and live as if it has no effect to us? It says in verse 28, And it came to pass, and Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, the religious leaders, including the scribes, the scribes are essentially were the, the Jewish preachers of the day. They taught the law. When you and I think of the word scribe, we think of those, those the, the scribe write stuff down. The idea was that they were the ones who wrote and taught the Word of God to others. They were the teachers. They knew all about the Bible. They knew all about God. And yet, they didn't know Him. The religious leaders spoke by the authority of the law and tradition, specifically, it would often say, well, our father Moses said. Notice the difference of how Jesus preaches. He spoke with authority. Not just by the authority of the written word, but he is the incarnate word. He is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. He speaks with authority because in the Word of Christ, there is all authority. Jesus would say in the Gospel of John that the Father had given Him all authority. There is only one person you will answer to in this life. It is not your boss. It is not me. It is Jesus Christ, and He holds all authority. The issue is that you and I and our flesh, we don't like His authority. Our flesh rebels against His authority. And in so doing, we do it to our demise where we build upon the flesh, we build upon the sand, and we wonder why we have crumbled to the ground. The heart that is not surrendered to Christ's authority is a foolish heart. The home that is not under the authority of Christ is a foolish home. Are you willing by faith today to submit totally and completely to the authority of the Word of God? Or will you simply merely use it as a tool? I want you to know, it's not a tool. It is the tool. It's not a part of our life. It is our life. It's a very heartbeat. It's not to be a part of your family's tradition. It is to be the thing that your family is holding on to and built upon. It must not be something that 
simply comforts your heart in times of trouble. It must be your heart's delight and desire and direction and dependence. Will we have given ourselves completely to the Lord or not? I want to end today with this passage. It's pretty familiar. You might actually have it hung up in your home somewhere. At least the last portion of it, I'm sure, because Hobby Lobby doesn't print the rest on the decorations. It'd be too big. But it's awfully important. This is sort of the root of where we are and where the Lord is directing us. Joshua 24, Joshua's getting ready to die. He knows it. He knows his time's about to be up and the next generation is about to be at bat. That ought to be our heart today as well. Understanding that our time is short. And the next generation is not just up to bat in the future, but they're up to bat now. They're not just the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. We've got to understand that. And His final farewell and address to the people He is warning them much like Moses had done as he's about to have his life come to an end. It says in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And here's the part that all of us know. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, as for me, that's my heart. Joshua says, as for my house, that's his home. He will make sure that he's going to end well with his heart in obedience to the Word of God, and His home in obedience to the Word of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Is your heart in obedience to the authority of Christ alone today? Is your home surrendered to the authority of the Word of God in all things? Does your heart and your home have a faithful foundation upon the Word and work of Christ? What are we building on, church? 
Miss Joanne's going to come and just play. We're not going to sing today. Let's all stand. She comes and plays this piano. You don't have to wait for the piano. Today, if you need Christ, come. and take the Bible and show you Jesus. Put your trust in Him. He alone can save. Today, dear husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, what is your home built on right now? Has your life come apart? Find your way to this altar. Ask the Lord to help you, give you strength. Build your heart and your home on the Word of Christ. Will you come today?